Hey, this is Brad Hodder, the Yardman. You are listening to Verbal but Shenanigans. shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. has to deal with it oh thank you that is a, that's a perfect intro mike thank you uh for 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 helping me with my image here as we we spent five minutes logging on to the show here and uh mm-hmm. before that we we're trying to figure out a way to make me look better um we used the touch up uh, touch up appearance feature on zoom and for some reason it just <laughs> just blurred me out completely um and we're trying to figure out if if it's the lights or or it's a dark room. I think it might. I just, I just this just might be what I look like these days. Yeah. Why don't you keep touching yourself? Maybe that will resolve the problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, last week, last week it was the shirt that I was I was feeling ugly in my skin tone mm. shirt. Uh, this week I I just look green. I look very hulkish, um, minus the the raging anger and the muscles and. And those things, but is queer eye for the straight guys still around? Can we call them people? I don't know. I would let those dudes make me over in three seconds, man. Oh yeah, I mean, I would just do it because they give you like a five thousand dollar wardrobe right just, there off the bat. I was just gonna say that I haven't bought myself clothes in so long, and I just take things out. I'm like, this is gross. This is falling apart. Um, but that's why we podcast, and that's why we predominantly only do audio because. Uh, most of the things you wear have logos we can't use anymore, and uh, I don't have a wardrobe anymore. So we try to stay. We're just audio only. What's your go-to place when you have, you're like, I'm going to buy something, some kind of shirt? Are, are you a Marshalls guy? Are you a Coles man? Or are you just straight Walmart? <laughs> He's a Coles man. Here's the thing. Like t-shirts and stuff, I don't have like any t-shirts that are like any kind of brand. All my shirts are from breweries or like a place I've been or something I pick up on vacation if we did something. I have like no like normal t-shirts. The only thing I've ever bought was like plain colored t-shirts with no like logo on them. And I get them from wherever, Old Navy, Kohl's. I've ordered some online before, but I do not have like any brand loyalty, nothing. I, you know, I gotta, I gotta sometimes search at big and tall stuff because sometimes it's too short or sometimes it's too wide. Like if you order something too big, like big, it's just wide. It's meant for fat people. Um, so I'm a little bit all over the map. I like how we didn't even introduce the show. So, um, but well, wait, wait, we're doing a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, well, welcome everybody. That's that's Mike and I, I'm Scott. What like I don't like pants and, and like dress shirts. I'll go anywhere. Like I'll just be like, okay, let's try this store. I don't have one that I always go to. Um, what about you? You're not like a jockey boy. <laughs> jockey, a jockey boy. Yeah, yeah. A ho- yeah. a Coles man and a I, jockey boy. Yeah, like I, I totally look at you like, like lower level, like upper, lower middle class. 
kind of fashion show where you just say, ah, Scott's wearing jockey's new khakis today. Is that where you see me? Is that where you see me in life too? Upper, lower, middle class? Yeah, somewhere. But I mean, that's most of our audience. So we we fit right in that ballpark right there. Yeah, I'll take take the lower, upper, middle class. I'm not quite sure where that falls, but I would say lower, middle class is probably our our key demo. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, somewhere in there, you're like a king of somebody, you know? You're not like the king of kings, but you you fit in a group where you're like, oh, I don't fit that well. Well, maybe a little. Oh, yeah, baby. Just- I mean, Mike, I at one point in this podcast about a month ago, I own two houses. I'm ju- I mean, I'm just saying I own two houses. Uh, mm. the, so, uh, so what happened to that other one? Oh, yeah, we sold it to afford this house, you know. Oh, <laughs> oh. It, it's just the principle of at one po- point in your life, you'd like... I don't feel like being here. I'm going to the other house. Yeah, yeah. I had two houses. I was globetrotting to Germany. I went on another vacation after. I was basically balling out of control as I was like, sucking down sausage, egg, and cheese uh, <laughs> breakfast sandwiches from gas stations and quick checks. I was balling. And the, and the best thing of all, it was in the middle of the year, so you could literally say, Oh, that's my summer house. <laughs> right, exactly. It's in the summer. On the lake. No, right. Two in the oh. lake. Two oh. in the lake community. Yeah. My Lord, Scotty. I told oh, you, the, this sponsorship money has been running, you know, coming in. We don't have a sponsor, but the money's just coming from somewhere. So it's, yeah. it's an amazing you feat. You might be getting your ways up to middle, middle class right there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we, we're going to go to a new demographic. So if if you were if you were gonna go buy something, where where are you going, jockey boy? I feel like a true I mean, jockey boy only knows that term. So I, apparently you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm probably in the same boat as you. Like my T-shirts are literally all the Disney ones my wife bought me. So that's all like a hundred right there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all the uh, runs that we used to do last year. So it's just like. You're like in like December. Oh, I need a T-shirt, and it's like Easter egg five k. <laughs> yeah, walking around yeah, the yeah. place, um, and everything else just has a sports team, which is one of many with my football team. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah um, when I I felt like I needed something nice. Yeah, for let, work and all. Yeah, let's say yeah. Tomorrow, um, you got to go to a wedding or a nice dinner or or a, mm. uh, a date, and you need to get something. You can't wear can't wear any Redskins or Disney stuff. I mean, Commanders or Disney stuff to the uh, yeah. to the occasion. I mean, back in the day when I had to have like a collar shirt or whatever, it was always Coles. Because, you know, you got those Coles bucks oh, you get for every that. dollar you spend. You and it's that. just like, oh, I'm just ripping you off. <laughs> just look at me. I gave you 100 bucks. You gave me 10 back. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Everything is somehow on sale there. Like, nothing's actually regular price. They, they no. just... The problem with the Coles cash is that you got to go back to use the Coles cash. You can't use the Coles cash immediately. You have to use the Coles cash that you bought. So you almost have to plan it like, okay, I got to get something and get the second piece the next time. Like I, I was hoping I could be like a Colionaire and like just put it into like NFTs and stuff like that. You saying I can't do it? I mean, I'm assuming the cash expires at some point, but. Uh. I mean, you could be the first Coles Col Col <laughs> uh, 
the, sir, he, he's like, he's got like 500 tickets. Uh, we never seen this before. We, we don't think anybody in the world should have this much money, Colionaire. Yeah, but the, here's the problem, Mike. To be, become a Colionaire, let's say you get $10, 10% back, yeah. and you have to spend yeah. $9 million. You, you, have to, you have to spend like a billionaire to be a Colionaire. <laughs> it's a brilliant. But still, it's a bril- it's just brilliant. It's an amazing strategy. Yeah, it's a brilliant. You just walk back in, it's like, I'll buy this store. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Mark Cuban, that's how he started and started to build it. Yeah. yeah. Uh- <laughs> Clearly, before he was shark tanking, he was colonaring. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the first colonaire would be essentially like nine hundred. Uh, no, like nine million dollars in debt. <laughs> but have a lot of clothes, though. You'd have basically oh, everything of Dockers, or or you'd be you'd be a real jockey boy if you. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, "Do you want to shop at the clearance section?" No, 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 no. Not, not this culinary. No, no, no. We're we're going to the fancy stuff. You know, I'm going into summer where when it's still warm. That's kind of <laughs> money I'm putting out there tonight. Do you think there's there's someone out there? Let's say you did have a million dollars in Kohl's cash yeah. that would buy your Kohl's cash for like half a million. Like they give you half a million. Because no one's going to give you straight up a million for a million dollars in Kohl's yeah. cash. No one needs that much Kohl's, <laughs> Kohl's clothing. But would you th- do you think if you're like you went on Facebook Marketplace or something like that or Craigslist and you're like, hey, got one million dollars in Kohl's cash, uh, we'll take five hundred grand for it. Do you think there's someone out there that would that would take that deal? I I kind of think somebody <laughs> has a way. Like they're going to probably try to manipulate that back into seven fifty to the next person. You right. Know? Like yeah. Everybody's got a game. It's just a matter of who wins it in the end. Yeah, I'm so, thinking like I, someone who's very um, efficient in selling things online, like eBay or their own little like Amazon stores or something. They could take all that product and list it and try to sell it. Um, but that's a in in Kohl's, like the way the price of Kohl's, that's like eighty thousand pairs of <laughs> Kohl's pants. <laughs> now that's a jockey boy. I want to try to be my friend. Yeah, please. <laughs> so I got the Levi five hundred one and five hundred twos. Okay, like if you offered me a hundred dollars in Kohl's cash, I'd probably give you like twenty five bucks for it. Maybe if I had to go buy stuff. I feel that's where somebody would, if you did like a million, sell for five hundred thousand. That person would turn around and like sell a hundred for seventy five dollars. <laughs> Do you think enough people will be like, okay, yeah, that I'm getting twenty five dollars in the deal? I think so. we should do an experiment. Get some Kohl's cash and see what we could offload Kohl's cash for, and then see if we can make. You know, we'll start at a thousand dollar goal. And then we'll work our way up to Colionaires. <laughs> that would be the dumbest movie premise to become a billionaire. You know, mm-hmm. just like it, it sounds so stupid, but in a way, it sounds so brilliant. This is just like on Always Sunny when they had the the um, Dave and Buster's. Uh, they, they tried to research. They made Patty's dollars and gave them all away. And they're like, yeah, it's going to come back into the economy. And then the, all the people just took the Patty's dollars and bought all their booze with it. So that <laughs> they literally had nothing left at the end. That's where I think our culinary Bertie Madoff scandal yeah. is going to end. Yeah, I think Coles would win in the end. 
<laughs> they seem- I gotta be honest. They, they, by the way, today's show is sponsored by Coles. Coles, <laughs> where the people shop, or whatever their logo is. Well, anyway, Verbal Shenanigans brought to you by Coles. Uh, become a Coleonaire today by downloading our episode. Um, real quick, Mike, uh, coming off, coming off kind of an unexpected. Um, so we had Dave Windorf on last week um, from Monster Magnet, who I would say people know of, like people in our era know of, but they never. I mean, I know they're pretty big in Europe and um, like Jersey is a following and and whatnot, but they're not like a upfront kind of band. And it, it turned out to be um, our biggest episode in numbers, if I'm not mistaken, in like four years, which is very strange. It was very, very shocking to look at this morning on the computer when I uh, I text you. I'm like, uh, somehow we got this many listens on the Dave Windorf. And I was like, eh, some kind of glitch or something like that, because let me explain to the listeners real quick. There was a weird error where we very early on in the podcast where um, I think before the algorithms just crushed absolutely everything possible, Mike would just go on these Twitter rants and just tag anything. We could be like, hey, we talked about cocaine and he would hashtag cocaine uh, and and just hashtag anything and, and at people or mention whatever you want to say. Hey, uh, (laughs) Hey, Dollar Tree mentioned your product and, like the listens were out of con- like or whatever the at least the, whatever the Podbean, which is what we use to host our podcast, um, whatever their their numbers were, it was outrageous how many listens we were getting to. Yeah, it, like we started when Twitter still was. I don't want to say in its originations, but you could get things done with Twitter. It's yes. not the cesspool as it is today. Like, I kid you not when we say when we first talked about our new format, which is with interviews. Right. Like, I remember literally we're just like, okay, we can tweet at them Mm -hmm. and they'll respond back to us. And you were, I think you were still kind of skeptical. I mean, I guess so, but I don't know how that could be the case. Literally, when our Twitter had like no likes, no. No tweets, no responses. I just go at Sean Kemp. Hey, would you do our podcast? And he came back in like a minute. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's the way Twitter used to be. It you could actually get something done. And like you said, you could just anything with a hashtag somehow got out to people, and people would actually like click on our episodes and listen to us. And it was just an amazing thing. And it, and that's. Literally, it's just like the next term. And I'm like, well, what the hell we talk about? Oh, hashtag dog food. Yeah. Oh, we got another 50 listens. Stop yeah. yeah. How? And it would be this weird thing where you like could go log on and you'd be like, ooh, another hundred. Ooh, we're up another 200. Like, you know, it, there'd be episodes in the thousands and we'd be like, this is amazing. We're podcast geniuses. Um, and then somewhere along the line, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, pretty much all three of them really just figured out that okay you're technically a business of some sort and we're going to squash um literally everything where it's almost impossible um and i'm sure any other content creators out there know this um unless you're pumping some money into 
ads and targeted ads and things like that, uh, you're not getting much on the end of likes or or you're already famous where you have enough followers that see your stuff. That's basically the only way out. So we need some money. We need coals. Yeah, yeah need coals. Yeah, come on, man. Spot us a couple coals box. No. You know, let's put on some nice collared shirts and all. We'll take pictures. We'll yeah. tag you. Not only on Twitter, but Instagram. So, that, I mean, we doubled your market right there. I mean, just help us out, Coles. In fact, I will be going hashtag Coles all week long Listen, after this. I will offer Coles to sponsor this podcast. We'll advertise whatever you got going on, Labor Day sales, things like that. We don't even have to get paid in money. If you send us Coles cash per month, I'm down with that sponsorship. Yeah, My Lord. What a, this mean, is marketing genius right here. Full circle. Yep. Full circle right there. Mm-hmm. We, we we want to know who if anybody's been a colionaire, and now we're in the first steps. Yeah. We're, we're making the handshakes done, and we're getting business made. In fact, in fact, uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring out old school Burlu this week. We're gonna we're gonna tweet at Coles a bunch and see <laughs> and see see what kind of uh, if we can get any interaction with the with the fine people, the upper management, the 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 uh, the gold standard in retail, Coles. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a couple days, mm-hmm. and they piss me off. I'm gonna at them and be like, Do I have to hashtag Marshalls? Do I have to hashtag the Christmas tree shop? Yeah. I will do it. I will find that market. We're, we're coming straight to you. We think we got a plan for each other. Yeah. But it's a one-time offer. You better step on this train, okay? We want to be wooed. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I, I found it ironic. Like our uh, And Dave Windorf was, was great. And I, I love that they have rabid fans all these years later. Um, but I find it ironic that... This once happened with an episode a long time ago that we called the SS Humiliation, where um, we basically played Battleship, long story short, which might be fun to bring that bit back again. Um, and uh, your biggest ship, so I think, uh, what is it, aircraft carriers, your biggest ship in, yeah, in Battleship? Yeah, five peg one. Yeah, yep. yeah. That was your biggest like thing that's super embarrassing. And if someone sunk your ship, um, you'd have to reveal the, reveal the story. Um, and that one, I think to this day is the most listened to one. So I lost, had to tell all five embarrassing stories and there were some, there were some doozies in there. I'm not going to reveal them all because those are always fun down the line again. I could bring them up, but there's some doozies in there about, about myself, no guests, no anything. I think that's the highest listened one. And then last week we get a ton of listens, um, uh, for us anyway, um, and in there is me talking about how ugly I felt, how how I went off the rails on this weird fat fat uh, gas station sandwich diet, um, and then also uh, sandwiched in between, uh, you know, on the other end of Dave Windorf was you reading erotic fan fiction about podcast guests um, that nobody on this planet has ever ever heard of before yes erotic fan fiction for those of you who might be tuning in this week well scott mm-hmm. i give the audience what they want i mean clearly like the first time i did it right it was just kind of like the little rumblings going like occasionally like somebody's on the bus and on you know do you hear that podcast with a erotic fan fiction oh no i'll have to check it out sometime and it just starts growing and growing and growing and it gets no. like everybody's like, what is this fan fiction about? 
Then all of a sudden, somebody goes, yo, they did it again. And then everybody's like, oh, I got to get on this podcast and find out. Uh I need to know what's going on. Right. And clearly, I built the momentum. I built Coles. I built erotic fan fiction. I got mountains of ideas just storming the the fields, if you will, just gathering up people. and, And the momentum can't be stopped. I don't. I don't think it can be stopped. Did you just state that you you built Coles? I I built the Coles relationship. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I'm not Michael Cole Burley. So you're 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 preemptively stating that you're going to build this Coles empire that's going to lead us to the promised land. Top. The. Uh, the VP's name is Kenneth Ole. That's how they came up with the name. He That's just right. first initial right. last name. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm just going to be in there. I'm going to be on some Coles furniture, having some cigars with them. Be like, let's make this happen. I can't wait till I just call total bullshit on you like I always do. And then one day I walk into Coles and there's like a, a sale and there's a cardboard cutout of you <laughs> wearing, a, wearing a, a jockey. And it says like 50% off plus $10 Coles cash this summer uh, or back to school sale. Mike Burlow's like, I'm like, oh my God, he wasn't giving thumbs up. He wasn't lying. <laughs> he, no, he built an no. empire. Yeah, that's why. Don't cross me, Scott, because... That could be you with me. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening, Coles? if you're listening calls the calls for a hundred dollars in Coles cash for each for me and my friend Mike, we will advertise your stuff. Hundred dollars Coles cash per month, and we're we're golden. We'll, we will keep you. We will say we are the Coles podcast. Uh, this next guest, Dave Windorf, is brought to you by the fine people at Coles. What's that? You have a penis puppeteer on this week? Yeah, he's brought to you by Coles. Yeah, we can have actual people coming in, you know, asking questions for the ass, and there'll be a caller on the line. You hear me? Oh, you're losing him, Mike. You're losing him. You're losing him by the minute. No, no, bring them I, back. I, bring them back. Give us a new idea from the think tank. Uh, that was the last one. Can you start <laughs> talking for a minute? <clears throat> but anyway, thank you to, um, if we have any new listeners, um, which I hope we do from last week, uh, thanks for the great response. That was um, completely unexpected. That was up there with the, the Jonathan Antoine um numbers um at, at one point we brought on this opera singer from england and he's become like our become one of our best uh, our best returning guests um and we may we may have him on soon just a little Ooh. little little teaser out to the teaser. to the, the fan out there keep your mm. keep your ears pinned to the podcast um but um i guess that's probably a good segue um to our guest um it feels weird jumping so it feels weird jumping into a new topic um when we just talked about coals for 20 minutes and basically just avoided the fact that we have we had no content planned for tonight so um i I don't know what you're talking about man i literally i have i'm looking at my papers now and it's 10 pages of coals can you can, can you hold them up, please? Can you can you hold your um, your papers well, up? Uh, they're pretty heavy, Scott. Yeah. Papers oh. here, so I, I'd rather keep them on the floor. They're so organized, you wouldn't want to dump any of the files uh, yeah. on the ground and whatnot. Scott, I would have to take the paperclip off, and if I lose it, it'll be like, oh no, this is so disorganized. The Coles people will not have my meeting if I have <laughs> right. papers all about. You know, gotcha, so. gotcha, gotcha. So um, let's get to our guest. Uh, this one is. Um, I would say this one is very 
uh, perfect in the verbal shenanigans uh, lineage of guests. I think it fits it fits quite well. Mike, who we got? Uh, Scott, uh, we're going to be talking tonight with Brad Howder. Um, he is the head coach of DePaul University's soccer team. So that's why that's why we reached out to him. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, he is a broadcaster club. for the NASL Soccer Club for the Indy 11 mm-hmm. on radio and podcast. So so I'm guessing we're going to have a lot of soccer questions coming up. Yeah, it's weird because you that? you prepped me for a uh, a different type of interview, so now I'm kind of a uh, kind of yeah. yeah. See, here's the thing. We we probably we'll get some mentions in here, but we got to be honest. Uh you see Brad is in the Guinness Book of World Records mm. for being the first person to drive coast to coast. On a lawnmower, <laughs> he drove from Atlanta to Los Angeles on a lawnmower, and we have a simple question tonight: Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we've had before we get to him. We've had we've had a good amount of world record holders, um, I, I believe, mm-hmm. on the show. We've had uh, your love, Sharon Alexander. Yes. Well, yeah. We should always save her for last, but yes, world's heaviest. Uh, Sportswoman, Sportswoman. And also one world's hottest um, in a, in a little lesser known. Definitely world's hottest sportswoman. Um, we've had the backwards mile, the fastest backwards mile. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think it was Dave Kalama or, or one of the surfers that we had did have the big wave record, um, and I know that always that's like every. Every season, someone's someone's trying to get a, a bigger and bigger and bigger wave. But I know we we did have the world's uh, biggest wave surfer. Um, anyone else? It wasn't missing? a world record, but uh, we had the tallest person in the U.S. We did, we did. We had uh, the tallest person in the U.S. And we have the um, the first ever uh, culinaire on the show weekly. So it feels like this is right up our alley. So let's get Brad. Everything comes together. Let's get Brad on the line. How are you? Brad, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm Mike. This is Scott. Welcome to the show. How's it going tonight? Tonight is not bad. How you doing? (laughs) Can't complain. Can't complain. I guess always the best way to usually... Like when we bring somebody on, it's always good to jump into like the big thing that they kind of do. I'm almost kind of curious what <laughs> as many as these interviews have you done, how long does it go? Has it gone before we got to the lawnmower thing out of curiosity? <laughs> have you ever gone like 20 minutes? Like, yeah, my kids Never. are great. Soccer is amazing. Um, Never. Love I it in the north. <laughs> Yeah, I go to, I go to dinner parties and it's before anything is even ordered. <laughs> it's going to be the thing that sits on my tombstone. That's all right. At least it'll be in a nice trim lawn around it. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be a real shame if your uh, if your gravesite was like a disaster with weeds and you know, no Could one. Did you t- see that? Would that be something? Just <laughs> if so no one horrible. took care of it. <laughs> all right, you had one job. I mean, come on. That's right. That's right. So, Brett, uh, just to clarify, like we were trying to figure this out, you had you had the Guinness Book of World Records. Was it the longest time on a lawnmower or the longest distance on a lawnmower? Yeah, so there were two. Um, <clears throat> since then, one has been broken. So the the first record was the the first person to travel across the United States on a lawnmower. Mm-hmm. 
The second record, which is the one that was broken, was the longest continuous journey on a riding lawnmower. So <clears throat> this is, you know, back in 99 when GPS systems were like that big. But that was um, wherever we stopped one day, that's where we would have to start the next day. And, you know, we, we planned on a certain number of miles based on where we were going to stop and where we were going to wind up. But we had an accident and that kind of derailed things for a little bit. And so that ended the actual record at a probably about 800 miles shorter than we wanted it to. And then it was surpassed by um, something on a tractor. Uh, that, that kind of classified in the same thing with Guinness. But, Eight years is a great run. Yeah, we're about 400 and I think you'll be like 410, about 410 episodes. So, um, you know, it's been it's been cool. A lot to talk to a lot of cool people. So, um, oh, yeah, I, I saw that list of people that you guys have talked to. That's incredible. I, I, I think that. A podcast really makes it on its 410th episode, so I'm excited to join you. That's it. They, yeah, they yeah. always say That's lucky, the peak. lucky number 410 is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Uh, we just had a quick quick audio problem I fixed. So, no, no worries. Um, you were saying that... So the record was beaten by a tractor. Whatnot. Now, I, before we even kind of get into the schematics of how this was done and whatnot, what... what like, what made you like say okay one day like uh, after breakfast i'm gonna start thinking about uh how i'm going to set this like where did this come from was it just like all right yeah i'm gonna do this today and your wife's like okay just don't come back if this is what you're gonna focus on (laughs) like well that that part that part did happen um but my my internal morning breakfast conversations do not go that deep and random so this, this was actually uh Keep America Beautiful, when I was growing up, I don't know how old you guys are. I think we're kind of, I think you're younger than I am. But when I was growing up, there was this great commercial that Keep America Beautiful had where they had a Native American man standing on the side of the road. And these teenagers drove by in a commercial and they threw trash out of the car and it landed on his feet and a tear rolled down his cheek. Yep. And I I think I was like eight, nine, ten years old when I first saw that. That was such an impactful commercial. There were a couple others that they had, but they really kind of struck a a, a chord with people at that time. And then they sort of dipped off from national relevance. And so back in in 1999, they were looking for a way to kind of get their footprint back and, and, and get people working on community cleanup events and, and keeping America beautiful. And so they partnered with Yardman lawnmowers on a way to try and create some energy and, and buzz around them. So they put on a national call for a spokesperson and driver. And I did not see it. I was uh, I'm a soccer coach. So oh, I was at a college up in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And one of the admission counselors said, oh, I saw something that'd be perfect for you. And she emailed it to me and I didn't, I didn't delete it. I kept it for some reason. And so it was at the time of the deadline to apply. And I said, well, I haven't deleted it for a reason. So I sent in an application and then 15 rounds of interviews later, they said, would you, would you be the guy? 15 rounds of of it. It was unbelievable. I, I'm like, how many people? How many people actually replied to this thing? 
So, so what is like the the interview process like? What what levels are you like making it on the callbacks? Like, are they just grilling you more? Like, how long can you sit? Like, how much? You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- yeah, that's. There, there were some elements with that. I think some of it too is just sitting in the room with somebody. Is that you get kind of a gut feel as to is this somebody we want representing our brand or representing our charity? And so you had the Keep America Beautiful and the Yardman people in the room, and I think. As, as people came in and just did brief intros and, and handled a couple questions, they'd go with that knee-jerk reaction, no, yes. And then as, as it got further and further into the interview process, you know, you're doing background checks and <laughs> social media wasn't huge at that point. Mm-hmm. But trying to find out who these individuals are and what could possibly come back on the charity or on the lawnmower company in the history of these, these individuals that were applying. So what kind of planning do you have to go through? Cause obviously there's stuff like work. Uh, if I read this right, when you started your journey, your wife gave birth to twins, like a month just before, like, what is this like internal clock just to prepare for this journey, both like the plans and mentally for you? Yeah, it was, uh, to be honest, the the day that the final interview was in Cleveland, and I think I had a fever of like 102. When I woke up in the morning in the hotel, my sheets were soaked. I was sweating all night. And so I'm sitting in these interviews, and I'm just dripping sweat. And I'm thinking, no matter what they ask me, they're thinking. (laughs) You're nervous. (laughs) That I can't, that I'm I'm, I'm lying, or I can't handle it, or whatever. And so – I got on the plane flying back to Chicago where I lived and I'm I'm like, there's zero chance it's going to happen. I walked in the door of the house and my wife said, they just called. They want you to be a lawnmower driver. And I said, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And I'm like, I'm a soccer coach and I'm going to go out and I'm going to recruit kids and I'm going to convince families that I'm the right guy to watch their kids for four years. And I'm going to try and drive a a riding lawnmower across the United States. And she said, are you kidding me? You went through 15 different interviews. And at this point, you're going to say no. And uh, so we did have twins a month before. And that was something I did not share during the interview process. And so after they selected me and I accepted, they found that out. I can't remember how that came about, but they flew me back to Cleveland and they said, what are you thinking? Yeah. You just had, you have one month old twins and you're going to get on a lawnmower for 67 days. And 67 I, days. at that point, I'm like, I'm, I'm a horrible liar. So I just said, look, the stipend to do this is exactly the amount my wife makes in a year. And this will allow us for at least 12 months to be stay-at-home parents, allow her to be home with the kids. And then 12 months later, we can worry about daycare and try and figure that out. Um, And it wasn't a huge stipend. My wife didn't make a lot at that point either. Mm -hmm. So, but it was enough that we could say, all right, she can stay home. She can, you know, she can take a, a sabbatical from her job and we can be the primary caregivers in our kid's life. And they said, all right, we buy into that. So they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a, a, an RV. We're going to hire a driver and your wife and kids can follow along oh, at, cool. at 15 miles an hour. And 
my wife's from Denmark. They said, we'll fly her mother in. So she's got help in the RV. And my wife said, no freaking way. Am I going to be in an RV for 15 miles an hour across the country when the kids have just finally started figuring out how to sleep through the yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, you're on, yeah. on your own. I'm yeah. staying here. It's funny. When you first said it, I'm like, oh, cool, great idea. And now, as you're explaining, I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty terrible idea. Yeah. Uh, I also feel almost worse for the driver. Like, someone who has to drive 15 miles an hour for all that time, oh. that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. On a lawnmower, it feels great. It feels yeah. like you're on a go-kart. <laughs> but in, a, in a, the, the, the support vehicles that were with us, I can't imagine the, the mental gymnastics that they had to go through. <laughs> Just imagine him getting behind you, just bumping you a little bit. Come on, go. <laughs> so they would trade out everybody on the crew. We had uh, members of the PR team. We had mechanics. We had professional drivers. They would trade out everybody. But the guy that drove the semi behind me, it was he and I for the whole time. And he and I became great friends through it. Um, four years after the first one, they asked us to do the drive again. And he were, he and I were the only two that did the the entire first trip and second trip together. Wow. Wow. So let's uh, get into like the actual journey itself. Can you like, how long were you into it where you're kind of like, okay, this is going to be long or like just something where it's like, I'm sure at first it's like, ah, this is cool. This is fun. Like you're driving through Atlanta like that. When was the first one where you're kind of like, it's going to be a burden, ain't it? You know, that never happened until the first one went Atlanta to New York to out west. That one never really happened until, you know, we got really out west where there were big gaps between cities. Um, mm -hmm. Early on, I, I have to admit, early on, I thought this, nobody, this is not, this is going to fail. Nobody's going to care about this. Why would anybody care about uh a riding lawnmower going across the country. And so I just thought it was going to be this kind of invisible, anonymous thing. None of my soccer players, no recruits are going to notice. I can just kind of do this, fulfill my promise, <laughs> go back to, to life, and everything was going to be fine. And uh, on the first day, we launched from Olympic Park in Atlanta, and interns from CNN kept taking my hat off and trying to slap a CNN hat on me. And I'm like, I have to wear, I have, I want to, one, I want to wear my hat. So, you know, look, I need a hat. I, you know, if I'm going to be on, yeah, yeah. on all these media things and be taking pictures, give me a hat. Nothing, so nothing a says hat, authentic, nothing says authentic lawnmower guy, like a CNN hat, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So at, at that point I started realizing, holy smokes, this is a lot bigger than what I thought it was. And then, then there's a little bit of panic and stuff that comes in. Like did I, did I jump into something that was way too much? And when we left Olympic park and we're driving through Atlanta, there's a police escort. There's like seven or eight police officers on motorcycles. And that is unbelievably embarrassing. I'm like, okay, here are these, these heroes that have decided to serve this community. And here, I got the lawnmower guy detail today. I'm thinking, oh, I can't uh, even they probably, they the probably loved it. Here. They probably loved it. <laughs> I don't know. But when we got out west and there was these gaps in, you know, every time we'd hit a city, no matter what the size was, our PR team would be calling 
the local gazette, if it had five readers, they were calling them to set up an interview, the local radio stations, whatever TV station. So we were averaging 15, 20 uh, interviews a day. And so it was just like, it was like this. And then when we got out west of Denver is when there was just big gaps and there were, you know, eight hours of, of driving a lawnmower instead of an hour, half an hour of interviews, an hour, half an hour of interviews. And at that point, then it started to become a little bit uh, some mental gymnastics and, and how, how am I going to get through uh, a 12 hour drive with nothing to think about, but what I'm passing on the side of the road. Right. Hmm. So give us a little insight into, okay. Like I know I've heard stories about like Guinness and how strict they are with records and, um, you know, uh, I've I've had actually friends attempt to break. Like, for instance, they tried to do the longest broadcasted comedy show, uh, radio show that they did it during the pandemic. It was like six days long, nonstop, and like something happened where Guinness. I don't know. At the end of it, they didn't recognize it. It was kind of a letdown. But um, and I know they're pretty strict on things. Give us an insight onto okay. Here's the record we're gonna break, and then like the schematics of okay. Like the planning process of all that, because it's a, right. it's a huge undertaking. Just just listening to you talk about escorts and and okay, where are we going to be probably day to day? Give us a little insight to that process to make right. sure you guys were getting that record at the end. Right, it's unbelievable because you do have to go through an approval process where right. they're actually on board from the beginning and understand what you're doing and can document everything. The book that we had was this thick; it was a folder this thick, and what they had was every city that we would go through every road that we were on every toll that we would pass every everything that we would do and they they the the lawnmower company and keep america beautiful actually hired a professional driver to do the route ahead of time and mark where the hotels were where the restaurants were so we knew everything prior to coming into a town and we could have it all buttoned down and all of that stuff went to guinness and the stuff with guinness was wherever we stopped with the GPS, the latitude and longitude coordinates, wherever we stopped, that's exactly where we had to start the next day. And it had the, the, the start and the stop could not be more than 24 hours apart. It had to be the same lawnmower and the same driver for the entire trip for it to count. And so everything was great. Everything, you know, following everything on detail until landing Utah and I got in an accident on the lawnmower had to be helicopter out to the University of New Mexico hospital. And I got back to the lawnmower. So that happened in the morning on, I think it was May 27th. So by May 28th, I had to be back on the lawnmower and I got on it by what, what we thought, what we documented was 1158, 1159, Guinness documented it as after midnight. So the next day didn't count. And we went a full day without it. So they ended the record in Blanding, Uh Utah, as opposed to Los Angeles, which is, you know, another 800,000 miles. So not that it would have held up through time. What what happened with the accident? What what happened? Stupidity. Absolute (laughs) driver stupidity. So. Yeah, I know. So we, we'd gone through, you know, 15, 20 interviews a day and we get out into the Rockies and there's not much media, not many towns. And we're in Blanding, Utah. Uh, we stopped for the night 
load up the lawnmower into the semi, find a motel, we're sitting in the motel, we'll go out and have dinner. And we're having, di- we had dinner together as a crew every night. And we're starting to talk about, they put a speedometer on the lawnmower. So it's not really my fault. They kind of teased me. And tempted oh, God. Me. They put a speedometer on the lawnmower. So we started talking about, hey, what if, what if there's this straight stretch down the mountain? What if we put the lawnmower in neutral and see how fast we can go on the lawnmower? And I like your chances. Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so here's, a, here's a restaurant table full of adults, and nobody thought, that's not a good idea. Nobody thought, hey, this lawnmower's braking system is for eight miles an hour, not <laughs> on, anything on flat than. ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So nobody, nobody has any concerns. We have all sorts of hand signals we're going to do between the vehicles, and we leave that morning. We get out of the motel, and all of a sudden, I'm on the top of a mountain in Blaming, Utah, and the road is straight down. And I'm like, "This is it." The lawnmower speed gods have given us this runway. So I signal the vehicles. They Everybody's like, yes, let's see how fast we can go. So I put it in neutral, and I'm watching. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55. And it's going up and down the road like this. And then we come up over this little ridge, and there's a warning 20-mile-an-hour left-hand turn signal. So on the top of the mountain, it looked like it was going straight, but somewhere in here, it had a little bit of a little bit of weave to it. So at that point, I'm I'm over 55 miles an hour, and we hit this 20 mile an hour turn, and I, I'm on two wheels, and I'm trying to save it. And at some point, I realized there's zero chance, and there's no guardrail, and so it's like I gotta I gotta go. Here's where we part company, and so. I jumped off. The lawnmower goes up, and I just watch it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I come down on my wrist, and I, I, I dove off the lawnmower, and I come to a, a sliding halt, and uh, I got banged up pretty bad. My When I looked down, I was trying to push myself up to see if I could see what happened to the lawnmower, and I couldn't. And when I looked down, my, this hand was like that. So I came down on my wrist and just completely – Broke oh my, my hand, but it was off to the side, and I'm like, oh my. And, that, and then you. Right at that point, <laughs> not dinner the night before, right at that point, I'm going, that was stupid. And then you look to the right, and the Native American guy is just shedding a tear <laughs> looking at <laughs> you. <laughs> that would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like like the whole journey, even with like Dan Dre, it was like total fun, all excitement, and all that. Like when you're doing all these interviews, you did Rosie O'Donnell and all these big shows. Let's talk about like the week after the calm down. Is there just like something in your brain where you're almost like, man, it's almost too quiet now, or was it just a relief? It was all done. Yeah, it was. Uh... There was never that gap in the moment where, because like even when we were out west and there were no towns that we were going through, they booked stuff from Australia or Japan. And so now, you know, I'm doing a phone interview at two in the morning from the hotel with some international press. So there was never kind of that emotional downtime. Um, There was when it ended. It ended in such a screeching fashion when we got to L.A. 
um, that was weird because you're on this big adrenaline rush for the first one was 67 days. The second one was 81 days. You're on this big adrenaline rush where you kind of mistake your own self-worth because everybody <laughs> wants to talk to Lawnmower guys. You start thinking, I'm so important. And all of a sudden, the got custom t-shirts going. You're like, yeah, he's going to go to Comic-Con. I'm going to yeah. be huge. He, he ordered like exactly. platinum, platinum gold yeah. grills in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was crazy. It was crazy. And then when it ended, it was just like, it ended. And, you know, while there was stuff that continued to go on between the two lawnmower trips, it wasn't the 15, 20 minute, uh, 15, 20 different interviews a day. And I have to admit, I, I hate to admit it. It's embarrassing to admit, but I got caught up in my own self-worth at that time that uh, oh, I'm, I'm validated. I'm the lawnmower guy. And then all of a sudden the next day, you're not the lawnmower guy. And it's like, hey, wait a second. Why don't anybody want to talk to me? Yeah, it's embarrassing to talk about. <laughs> now, now, have you? I, I you kind of mentioned it early in interviews. Someone broke the record. Is the record still standing? No. Well, the first one across the United States that'll that'll always be there. But the only one that I actually saw, my mom bought me the Guinness Book of Re- World Records the year that it was listed in there as the record holder. And then a couple years after that, somebody else had a longer continuous because it was the. The longest continuous journey on a lawnmower was what that record was. And somebody has surpassed that. And I don't know if somebody surpassed the one after that or the one after that. I was able to get my feet underneath me and not identify myself as a lawnmower driver for the rest of of my (laughs) life. (laughs) So, so Did you at least ask Guinness to check and see how far the lawnmower got off the cliff to see if that was a world record out you know i might be actually i've seen youtube videos so i I can't even say this with confidence i might be somebody that is probably the most physically damaged and had to be airlifted out of an area after a lawnmower accident but after i've seen some videos on youtube (laughs) i think there are probably people that have beaten that record (laughs) So, so all these years later you know you've got like you know, silly shows like us reaching out to you and, we're, you know, we always try to find interesting people with, with unique stories and whatnot. Do you see this experience as a, as a blessing or is it like almost like, like you're talking about like, oh, I was the lawnmower guy for a while and, you know, people talk to you. That's all that we want to talk to you about. And is, was it a blessing or, or a curse or a little bit of both? Yeah, that, that's a great question because it's kind of gone through, you know, uh, different iterations of it. But um the, the really cool thing is it's given me an, an awesome perspective on relevance and, and, you know, meaning and value and purpose in life. And I, I, I honestly, I don't want to get too philosophical with you guys, no. but I honestly think when you start taking a look at uh, deaths of despair, suicide, addiction, all sorts of stuff that's going on there. I think so much of that has to do with the fact that culturally we are moving into this area where we validated our self-worth from material things or social media likes or things like that. And I got caught up in that. I, I, my self-worth was as the lawnmower guy. And so had I not gone through that, I don't think I'd have the perspective I do right now where I am, I, I am very grounded in who I am. I don't think I'm ever going to fall victim to Now, still when I put a, a, a post out on social media, I do check the likes, yeah. but I don't right. get, I don't get emotionally, um, 
you know, down or elated when those lights are in a, 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 an area too high or too low. Whereas early on, you know, when, when the phone calls stopped happening, my, my self-worth was, I, I completely validated myself about people that want to talk to a guy that drove a lawnmower instead of, am I a good dad? Am I a, am, am I a, a loyal husband? Am I good in my community? All the things that I should value as a person that could validate, you know, you know, my time on this planet, all of those real things came second to, did Rosie O'Donnell want to talk to me? Did Roseanne want to talk to me for her talk show? Was I on the late, late show? All of those fake things I got, I got caught up in. And so when I, when I look at the answer to that question, it was a complete blessing because right now I have really good perspective on who I am and, and who I should be. And this, this short time that I have on this planet, can I, can I be there for my family? Can I be there for my friends? Can I be a positive member of, of my community? Um, and I, you know, I fail like everybody else. I'm, I'm fallible, but at least I, you know, I, I believe that my heart and my head are moving in the right direction. That's a great answer. As you have now gone through life and uh, as you said, you're a coach at the college and soccer, is there ever a time where like you're talking to somebody and like somebody's kind of like leaning to, Hey, you know what this guy did? You're almost like, I don't want to tell the story right now. No, no, no. We're in the middle of something. The World Cup is coming up. I want to enjoy some soccer. I don't want to tell everybody about my lawnmower excursion. Yeah, it was tonight 100%. around eight. Tonight around eight thirty. That's when that, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was interesting. Was you know one of the funniest ones was uh, a recruit uh, was talking and saying, "Hey, can you come watch me play at this this tournament in Memphis?" And, you know, big, long letter at the time or, or email. I can't remember. But at the end of it, she said, I've, I've checked with the tournament officials and they will allow you to drive your lawnmower right up to the field to watch the game. Oh, my God. I'm like, that is pretty clever. That, you know, you, you caught me with that one. Now, yesterday, this is crazy. Yesterday in practice, somebody on my team had Googled things. And so it comes up, coach. And it's like, ah, we're trying to get ready for an intense practice. And what we've got working today was something really serious. And the practice is going to start out with, you did what? (laughs) When? Uh Tell us about this. And so that kind of gets derailed at times. But, you know, again, I I feel unbelievably blessed that I've had that really cool life experience. And, you know, I, I... you know, my family's gone through that kind of cycle of we're unbelievably embarrassed by him. Uh, he's OK. We're unbelievably embarrassed by him. We're OK. And so, you know, at times it comes up in awkward moments. But at the end of the day, it's a pretty cool story. And yeah, there's a there's a thousand stories with it, but there's they're pretty cool. That's so awesome, Brad. I mean, we really appreciate you uh, coming on our show. I appreciate you just reading my random message saying, hey, you want to come on the show and actually going, yeah, why not? So far, the no. You know what? The cool thing is, is it, it, you know, the ask is pretty cool. I'm I'm, I'm flattered that you guys asked. Um, And then the the cool part, too, with it is, you know, it, it brings me into your show where, 
I start, I subscribe and then I start listening and then, then I become a fan. Awesome. I think the first one that I, I clicked on was the pillow fight. And that was a, that was a pretty fun, yeah. it was a pretty fun episode. So, you know, we, we both went from this because I got another podcast uh, to keep me company on my lawnmower drives. I All love right, it. Well, just like the lawnmower ride, this is going to get over really fast. No. <laughs> like two weeks from now, you're like, oh, I'm embarrassed. You're, you're going to, you're going to, depression again. You're, you're going <laughs> to rather be airlifted than uh, listen. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note brad if uh anybody wanted to like find out maybe about your soccer team or go back and talk to you about uh, the the excursion or anything anything you want to promote or how can people contact you yeah probably the best way um coop dreams is is something i'm a part of right now it's uh a tv show that that started and, and really kind of has its roots in the mo across america we're on RFD TV and it's a show about kind of homesteading and raising chickens and, you know, growing your own food. And we've got cows, goats, bees, garden, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Um, and the Coop Dreams Facebook page, that's probably the the most trafficked. I think we've got 170,000 followers. And so I'm on it every day. And, you know, anybody that has any questions, whether it's a lawnmower or whether it's about keeping chickens, that's probably the best way to reach me. That's awesome, Brad. Thank awesome. you, thank you so much for 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 giving us some time today, and uh, we appreciate the uh, the laughs and the uh, the honesty. So uh, keep it up, and uh, good luck with whatever you're uh, doing next. Appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on, guys. You got a new fan. Love you guys. Brad Howder, Mike. Brad Howder. Uh, uh, exciting news, everybody! I just got word from Scott. He is going to attempt to be the first person to take a push lawnmower coast to coast. I can't believe it. It's an amazing thing. Coles is going to sponsor the whole trip. It's it's going to be a blast. I can't wait for it to start, Scotty. Well, we weren't supposed to reveal that yet, but yes, it is. Uh, it's in the works. Um, I, uh, I I I would do. I think I'd do all right with mowing actually mowing a lawn for for a long time like i've always been jealous of those guys who have ride on lawn mowers and just have like a nice long lawn to mow i always pictured that'd be really nice to have like a coffee and like <coughs> you know your your earbuds on and just kind of mow the lawn like i feel like i can get into that at this age of my life my brother does that he has actually like contracts with the state so mm-hmm. a lot of times like if he needs help. My dad will be like, I'll do it, but I'm in the riding lawnmower. And that's literally what he does. He just puts on his music and he's just driving along every once in a while. He'll like, um, like my brother will be in the back with like a push mower and his uh, fiance with like a weed whacker or something like that. So my dad will just be driving. I think you're about to be like, my brother's something. in the, my brother's in the back with the push mower and his fiance. Like, Oh, okay. Oh, she's yeah, actually yeah. working. We got a very connected family. Right. right. But, um, like my dad would say, like, he'll just be doing that for five hours, get easy money. And on once in a while he'll call him. It's like, Hey, by the way, there's a snake coming up here. So just be careful. And so yeah. just to give them a heads up since they're not in the nice, riding lawnmower but ah yeah now if your dad sees a snake does he just barrel through and just you know slice the snake up or does he actually dodge for snakes um i don't think i know he's killed snakes in his day not i'm not sure in the lawnmower like he told me like a badass story once where he, he was taking the trash out and he moved the can and he saw a snake and it was like a copperhead 
and he's like oh this is dangerous and he, i'm like oh my god what you do it's like oh i just went in the garage got a shovel went up and just boom, right into the head yeah. cut it right off in half and all and i i would just imagine me just like yeah, yeah, screaming just... crying <laughs> running down the road and all like calling probably won't even like calling call your dad wife. on the cell phone going there's a snake there's a snake he'll <laughs> <laughs> be like son you're interrupting me mowing lawns right now i don't appreciate that yeah i had some nice music on <laughs> yeah i can't i mean maybe you could tell your brother he's in the back yep i can't even front like i remember telling a story on here where i was mowing the lawn in sandals one day which i don't really know why that was a good choice um and a snake crawled between my toes and like slithered over my foot and I literally just like threw the lawnmower down the hill and I lived on a hill at the time and that thing rolled into the backyard and I was like, ah, you know, it was very shocking. Um, so I probably would, I would also call my dad for, for a snake assurance. Like somebody's calling the police. There, there, there's a ghost pushing a lawnmower because it's going like really fast and I can hear screams in the background. It has to be a ghost pushing this lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Brad's a very, very interesting guy. The fact that that ended in him getting airlifted was the last thing I expected from from that story. But that is the ultimate guy story yeah. right there, where you're having like bar food and drinks, and you're like, you think we can get that thing to, to like fifty or something? And I'm sure someone, no man, we we I bet we can get it to like eighty and and all that stuff. And then the second you do it, you while you're doing, you go. Oh crap! Yeah, that's a guy's story. Yeah, <laughs> Merlo, what are? Um, I want you to think of your your, you know, the fifty states in the United States. Um, I know you probably don't know all fifty, but I want you to think of five that you know. You know, um, okay. and I wanted to go through. Um, I looked up some world records, and these are the craziest world records um, in each of these states. And I was curious which ones you think that maybe you might have um, an attempt at either doing or mm. or or figuring out how to beat it. Um, okay. So, okay. Uh, Mike, uh, state number one, where would you like to go? Well, if I think I'm going to beat it, I'm going to do it in the state where there's probably the smallest amount of chances that somebody's going to overtake it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with a tiny little Rhode Island, Scotty. Down to Rhode Island. Down to Rhode Island. Okay. Um, wow, it's way down in the list. A lot of states before that alphabetically. Oh, man. R is so far down. Um, I'm using my phone, too, so my thumb is... Re- okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> all right, Mike. You might have a chance here. Okay. The largest sock. The largest sock is the record in Rhode Island. If you ever visit Rhode Island off season in a dead of winter, you may, you now, sorry, you know how frigid temperatures can get. You may even wish you'd crawl into a warm, insulated sock and hide away from the cold. Well, with this world record set by the charity organization Project Undercover, you can. They created a 32-foot, 7-inch by 22-feet, 6-inch by 8-feet, 2-inch cream and brown-colored sock. In a way to raise awareness of those in need in the area, they used 600 feet of cotton and 42,000 feet of cotton thread. Yeah, I think I could take that. I mean, 32 feet, that's what, like five of me? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I mean, if I ever learn how to sew, I think I could take that one down with no problem. So you I mean, think you could start sewing today? <laughs> well, not today. I'm not declaring I'm taking the world record tonight, man. I got things to do, but what do you, what do, like, you, what do, you, what do you have to do that's more important than taking this sock record? I told you, I'm calling Coles later. <laughs> True. Coles does not wait for people. People have to come to Coles. So yeah. So I mean, I feel like if you learned how to sew and 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 took your time, I'm I'm sure Guinness Book of World Records probably has some kind of um, time restriction on this. Um, maybe the amount of help involved would probably be a time. Uh, I mean, a limit. Um, but so far, I think. I think you're in good, good, good uh, standing here because I think that is also beatable if you really put your mind to it for you know a couple years. Very doable. Very right. doable. Where are we going? Um, I'm gonna keep with like locations. I don't think there's a ton of people and stuff that people won't want to like break this record. No, I don't have competition. I'm gonna go South Dakota. Oh, perfect. I didn't have to scroll that far, and my thumb was already on that. Um, so. Most wins of the mashed potato wrestling championships. You ever heard of the? You ever heard of the? You ever heard of the mashed potato wrestling championships? If not, now you know. Every year, folks mash around to take home the spud, but the guy to win the most, ironically named Steve O'Groton, has won four times. Oof, so you got to win this four times, five times to beat him. Five. Uh, I'm Booker T, baby of the mashed potato wrestling federation. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to see if I got uh, most recently Clark uh, both in Barnesville, Minnesota and recently in Clark, South Dakota his real name is Steve Barone and he's the founder of the Mashed Potato Wrestling Federation giving him a home court advantage and hey, in case you were wondering there's no waste to roll around in the potatoes they use inedible floor sweepings from the factories or outdated flakes that can't be sold whatever is left over is also fed to the cattle it seems doable. I mean, see now. Do you think this would I mean, be something I, I, you'd have to work on your wrestling? Like you'd really have to start to, you know, this is not just potatoes, my friend. I, I feel I'd be a heel. Like I would just have I have a manager that strikes a referee and hits somebody with a chair, and they fall in the mashed potatoes, and I cover him, mm-hmm. and just like keep on getting like me. Like I need a new age Bobby Heenan just to help me out. Get pour gravy all over his body, like as he's down, yeah. you know, drown him a little bit. Oh my God, he's he's pouring gravy on him. <laughs> Your finishing move could be the ladle. Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. See, I don't know, man. You got. I don't like this record because you got to catch up. Like, if we're talking day once a year, we're talking already a five-year winning streak that you got to put on um, and a lot of commitment. By the time you get ready to take on the potato wrestling championship, um, that could be a couple years. You might be talking 10 years down the line, man, before you even see this record in sight. But that's the thing. Like, even if I go out there, all right, I didn't get the title. I did all right. I could take a couple years, come back. It's it's never ending. As long as I keep living and they still have this potato federation, I got a shot. I don't care if I'm Rick Flaring at sixty some <laughs> years old, right. winning my fifth potato 
championship. I do not care. But what if, what if, like you know, we're in the age of TikTok and uh, thing? What if this takes off and all these young, studly athletes start joining the Potato Federation? Your chances are are really getting small. So you're saying like somebody who couldn't make it in AEW just says, you know what, this is going to be my life, mm-hmm. and that's who I'm facing. Yeah. What if Ric Flair comes out of retirement again, and he he's like, you know what, I need a paycheck. No, no, this is my paycheck. <laughs> yeah. I swear. I'd be more interested. I'd be more interested. I, I, may, I may order that. Ric Flair going to the Potato Federation. I, I might Absolutely. buy into that. All right, Mike. Third state. Uh, <coughs> Uh, let's go for somewhere nice and all where I'm trying to break the record. Let's go Hawaii. Oh, all right. So let's see. You're going to deal with the Hawaiians. You're going to get in. You know, I feel like there's some good competition over there for athletically. So maybe let's see if you avoid an athletic event and it's like a sock or you're going to get to uh, something a little bit more difficult here. Like Uh, the world's largest lay, I feel. Okay. Okay. Well, you are pretty screwed on this one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't think you have a single chance on this. But okay, let's let's do it. And don't tell me it's the surfing one. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the largest wave. <laughs> <laughs> it's the largest wave surfed. Um, if you're surfing to break the Hawaii world record in Maui, Aaron Gold successfully surfed without a tow, so that's not being towed in a wave, Mike, that measured. Mm-hmm. Um, would you care to care to guess what he what he surfed? I'm gonna try no toe, 62. which means he had to pass sixty two. Wow, Six, sixty three feet was the was the. Um, oh, see, I'm good up to sixty two. You didn't. <laughs> now I know it's sixty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not gonna work for me. Sorry. Um, so I mean, this is uh, particular. This particular break is known as Jaws. It's even more impressive as it is dangerous, death defying feat. Mike, I'm putting your chances at absolute zero on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a mulligan on that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's like Family Feud, strike one. I'm, I'm still alive, but uh, yeah, that not a good answer. I feel okay, like right. you can make a giant sock that could contain all the potatoes before you could even possibly... First, you have to learn to surf, never mind breaking a 62. Like, you're dead. There's just no way that one's happening. I'm sorry. Never. Um, All right. You got two more. Two more. Okay. Well, um, let me get a feel for where I'm at in my own state. Let's go to Georgia. You got a chance here. Um, In Georgia, the record is the longest golf cart. (laughs) A popular pastime in Georgia after watching or playing football is golfing. With plenty of lush lawns and inexpensive tee times, it's a friendly and competitive way to pass those southern days. To bring all their buddies along, the folks at Mike's Golf Carts in Perry, Georgia. Where's Perry, Georgia at? Far from you? Not familiar. Okay. Can't deny it. They created... Uh, a 31 foot, uh, 31 feet, 31 and a half feet bumper to bumper golf cart. So yeah, I feel like this isn't impressive. I feel like if you have enough money, you just get someone to weld this bad boy together and you're going to take this record. Yeah, I, I feel it's, it's a very lazy one. Like I was ready to hear I had to grow like a 60 pound peach or something like that. <laughs> you know, um, I, I've, 
Yeah, I just as long as you know like mechanics and yeah, like, I feel like the this, right people, it yeah. doesn't seem like it's a one person thing. You literally can have like fifty people working on this and you'll still be part of the record. I think this is very easy. Uh, the only thing I would I would think that would come in the way of getting this record is funding. I think you'd have to figure it. You'd probably need, like, what? At least six, seven golf carts, and you need someone to kind of really figure out the transmission, how to make the seven golf carts link together and move. But um, I still think it's doable. Yeah, I've, it's one of those... You're not getting a ton of money, but it's a good laugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't fathom somebody literally did it for this is a business expense. This is going to make us famous. Yeah. I, I, I feel like everybody can get in the joke of, uh, yeah, yep, yeah, let's connect this. Let's put this back, put the transmission over here. Yeah, we got this. Uh, Perry is, uh, looks like it's about 20 minutes south of Macon. So that's probably a good. Two hours for me. All right. So, Maybe you could hook uh, up on Mike's golf cart and say, guys, 31 feet is nowhere near. We need a 131 feet long golf cart. Then you're talking Then you're talking something I'm impressed by. Maybe what I'll do is I'll go down there and I'll steal the world's longest golf cart. Right. That way I can like tear it down, look at it, like, ah, this is how we do it. Now I know how we get to 32. This is all right. See, I think the plan is to not only steal the longest, you should steal the second longest, and then you're way ahead of the game if you can meld those things together. Oh, man. (laughs) If I can get away, then it's probably also the fastest golf cart. So I've got like two world records right there just right at my feet. There it is. My big sock. One more, Mike. Where are we going? Oh, what to do, what to do, what to do. Let us... Try somewhere, eh, so travel. Probably one that I probably won't attempt, but sounds exotic. Let's go to Alaska. Going to Alaska. I hope this yeah. is like wrestle a moose to death with your bare hands. <laughs> um, oh man, this one's so lame. Another, you have another chance here. The largest collection of four leaf clovers, Mike. What? Largest collection. Now, when you hear the number, when you hear the number, you might be thinking a little differently, though. When you're waiting for an outdoor concert or begin lounging on a blanket, enjoy picnic with pals, you might get distracted by grass. As a childhood launching pad, these green blades could help you whistle, uh, reveal dirt, and of course, bring the luck of the Irish. One Alaskan man never stops searching for that pot of gold. Okay, so maybe he's from Alaska and he has the collection. Um, It's not super clear. Mike, would you care to know the largest four-leaf clover collection held by Edward Martin Sr., of course? Okay. I'm going to take guess, and we'll say around 200. Mike, at that pace, you're going to be going for um, probably uh, a century because the largest collection is 111,060 four-leaf clovers this man has found in his life. Who the hell counted all of that? <laughs> Some dude from Ripley's is just like, God! Oh. Yeah, that's, that's got to be the crap. You you know there's levels to like the Guinness World Record where they're like, I'm not doing that one. Let's send the new guy out to do this. Like, yeah. There's no way the, the, the big guys who've been there forever are doing that. And we've had these discussions with just like in the interview of how like 
like freaking anal Guinness can be. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, somebody's, it's not just one. It's like one, let me get the ruler. <laughs> let me look at the dimensions of all four leaves. All right. Uh, it's 32.6. Yes. That is in proper range. Yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. 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 111,060. Um, so kind of a lame record, but I don't, I don't think there's any chance of you breaking that one either. Um, <sighs> No, like after five, I'd be like, good enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty lucky. Like this yeah. guy, this guy is really lucky. I mean, I mean, you want to well, be? How lucky can he be? We just found out who he is right now. He he should be like, he should be like the dude who owns Amazon if he has <laughs> that many, and it's quote unquote lucky. I think that guy single handedly busted the myth that these things are lucky. Uh, they're, yeah. They're, yeah, yeah. No one I mean, believes it. Anymore. He lives in Alaska, so how good is it? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, um, Mike, out of the five, which one do you think you would go with an attempt to break? Probably the sock one seems the easiest of all of them. Um, I would say the sock one they, is probably the, the most financially smart one too. Like, yeah, what are you paying like the, for? Yarn? Yeah, and like I said, there's no time limit, so you just buy it as you go along. And, we don't, we don't know. We don't know what Guinness's uh, weird rules are. Um, like I mentioned in I don't the interview, think there has to be a record for speed sewing the biggest sock in the world. Well, maybe that's a whole other record: biggest oh. speed sock. Um, <laughs> old speed speed sock Burlu is a pretty yeah. good name. Yeah, that, that's who we're interviewing next week. Speed Scott <laughs> Stevenson uh, on the podcast. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I I'd probably agree with you. Or the golf cart. I feel like if you you can almost go fund me enough money, maybe to to yeah. get. In a, but yeah, the wave you're dead. The four leaf clover one. You you never have enough time on this earth to find that. Or no, and your life really just has no meaning anymore. And. Uh, uh, what was the other one? The oh, the the mashed potato league. I I don't think you you're gonna catch up to the greats. Like, That's like the mid one. It's yeah. like it's sock one, golf cart two, wrestling three. Forget the other two. Yeah, just, <laughs> just no. Yeah, like I'll get on my ten foot wave and go good enough. Yeah. Oh well. Even there, I'll probably break my leg. Yeah, dude, that. ten feet's pretty high, man. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I've seen waves that are like up to my head, like in the Jersey Shore, and I'm like, okay, these are way too big. <laughs> you know, like uh, ten feet to another five feet on top of that. That's uh, a little sketchy. Yeah, you look at it, you're like, oh, it's a little sketchy. You you look at me, I'm like, I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine, yeah. It's mine. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of those like five foot waves we get that are big, and timesing that by uh, by twelve, and it's. Uh, you know, it's basically a building, building coming towards you, and you jumping on it. Well, maybe that's what I'll do. I'll just ride twelve of those five footers and be like, "Well, that equates to that, right?" Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure those guys will. There's no rules about yeah. that. And I'll make sure, like the guy who just had to count the eleven thousand four Lee clovers comes to certify me. He's like, "Yep, I don't care." <laughs> After that last one, I do not care. I quit this job. I'm already on Indeed. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, and I feel like he's going to go apply for a new job, and they're going to be like, what did you do for the last 30 years? Well, I've been I've been finding clovers. Um, what does that qualify me for? 
Specialties include counting, okay. <laughs> observing, uh, good physical fitness. Uh, yeah. What are your weaknesses? I punch anybody who's Irish. <laughs> I lose a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah. All right, Mike. Well, um, I bet you um, Coles would sponsor Mike's large socks and maybe carry them. Oh, ca- carry them in the summer. Mike's large socks. Yeah, uh, you're going to need a lot of Coles cash to buy if, if you don't want to pay for them. What do you think a 33-foot 30, sock would cost? <laughs> I mean, it would be like in a novelty antique store. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, like, if somebody wanted to seriously attempt to sell it, $150, maybe $200. I know it probably costs more in yarn. <laughs> right. I'm not sure you're going to find a person that's going to be like, yes, I will pay that. Plus, you will get back what you put into this. What if it's, uh, you know, labeled world record, one of a kind? Would that bump that price up to maybe like a G? Would someone throw a G on that? Bless you. You got a G to put out for world record socks. I'm sorry, man. I. I don't have that kind of revenue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see. I mean, people have money to waste. They might want the world's biggest sock. Use it, like, have it flying in the backyard on a big flagpole or, um, I don't know, bust it out every Christmas or something as a big stocking. Yeah, that is, like, the one recurring joke every year. Like, you know, the kids are just being, I am not posing next to that big, yeah. big <laughs> sock. So, oh, oh, oh. Timmy asked for just to fill his stocking this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mike, what do you got? Well, as we talked with Brad tonight, Scott, I mean, it's an amazing story, uh, but if they ever make it a movie, mm-hmm. they can't call it the lawnmower, man. Do, do you know there is a movie called The Lawnmower Man? Oh, yeah. I believe there's. Um... I believe there's several. I believe there's like Lawnmower Man 2 and possibly that's 3. It. No, that's it. They stopped. <laughs> that's it. There's there there will be another one. Coming. They'll remake it somewhere along the line. Now, have you ever watched The Lawnmower Man or understand what The Lawnmower Man was? What's funny, Mike, I, I, I do think I've seen it and I don't remember. I remember maybe in the 90s watching it. Um, I also recall us having a conversation about the Lawnmower Man somewhere in these 410 episodes we've done. I swear to God, we've talked about the Lawnmower Man before. Find out what episode, tweet us, and you'll get $20 in Colts cash. <laughs> and a 32-foot sock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the Burlu guarantee. So you're not familiar off the top of your head with the lawnmower man. You gotta explain it to me again. Alright, alright. So it's, it's very simple stuff. It starts with a tech company doing work for the military with an obvious project, which is putting chimpanzees in virtual reality simulators to teach them to kill. And I mean, um, it sounds more ris- realistic now than it does 30 years ago. Ah, well, I mean, <laughs> they were ahead of their time, but uh, unfortunately what happened is these virtual reality machines are just so realistic it drove one chimpanzee insane and actually grabbed a gun and started killing some guards and uh, you know that's what happens in these situations when you put chimpanzees in virtual reality naturally obviously so then they have when this happens they have to call the the main doctor of the movie which is of course 007 
Pierce Bronson. You know, if, if there's ever a person to teach monkeys war, it's Pierce Bronson. Of, of course. But um, he's trying to make the. No, let, let's cl- let's clarify. He's not. Uh, he's not actually 007 at no, the time. Oh, we'll oh, call him 007 just to make oh, life easier. Okay, because it'd be really weird if James Bond was in this this film. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a banana. <laughs> so he's trying to make these monkeys smarter for his virtual reality, but he's sad after he gets the news and he has to take a break. But the government wants this experiment to continue because, you know, the the man is amazing. And who asked for this project to continue? Walter White's brother. Oh, yes. Yep, our um, brother-in-law, Dean's North. Yes, I'm he, trying, you know, Hank. He, Hank from... Uh, yeah. Yep. yeah, Hank literally says he loves how he has never saw a monkey murder like that, so they need more. So, so I mean, we got Sounds the, great. The, sounds great. Yeah, so that's the original premise of it. But we got to get to the main character, Scott. The main character is Joe. And he's a mentally challenged guy who mows lawns. Huh? Huh? See the, see the tie in there? Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's mentally challenged. So, of course, it's the 90s, so he gets bullied a lot. He gets, he gets screened at by his co-workers at the job. He goes home. His father is like a priest, and he has to hit him with a strap. To make sure he stays pure in life, you know, simple things in life we all have to go through. Right. But uh, but 007 is a nice guy, and he starts using his virtual reality to help him get smarter, which is 90s 3D games on the PlayStation. Yeah, he's basically in a toboggan, yeah. dodging metal teeth in the virtual reality, and somehow it's like. Oh, my God, you're getting so much smarter, Job. It's amazing. See, now, I think this sounds great. It sounds like a great film. Um, Rotten Tomatoes audience giving it 37%, and uh, IMDb giving it a nice 5.4. So it can't be the worst movie of all time. And quick, the budget was $10 million, and box office, it made $38 mil. It did, it, this movie did profit. Yeah. This movie did profit. And that's why we got Lawnmower Man 2, Scotty. Yeah. Okay. That's why we got him. But uh, along the way, as he's getting smarter, apparently he's getting like stronger too. Because like literally after the virtual reality, there's a scene where he's mowing the lawn and he's got his shirt off and he's got like a six pack going. So you know that comes with virtual reality and knowledge and stuff like that. But Duh. Priest Daddy gets pissed off about it and tries to slap him because he feels that his shirt off is him defying God. And then girls start. <laughs> trying to flirt with him and his co-worker gets pissed and he punches him in the mouth and so forth so, you know natural things when he gets smarter mm-hmm. but um but uh so now we have to go to the next level though with joe so 007 takes him to his lab for the big time virtual reality where you wear scuba outfits with lights on it and you jump into a human gyroscope as virtual reality that, that those are requirements. <laughs> okay, that's well, that duh, yeah, of yeah. course. And it's working great. It gives him what you figured it would give him, Scott, which is the ability to read minds and have mental telepathy. <laughs> of course, why would it not? Why would absolutely. it not? Absolutely, absolutely. So, anyway, so Joe now can read the, a girl's mind that's flirting with him, and she wants to have sex with him. What does he do, Scott? He does what every guy does breaks into that lab, has virtual reality sex with her, and accidentally makes her brain dead. 
<laughs> so so he had virtual sex, but he, he yeah. ruined her brain. Yeah, yeah. She wanted to have regular sex. He's like, no, no, no. Let's go into his laboratory, which probably has tons of guards and security. And let's put on the outfits. And let's put on the goggles. But uh, he gets too crazy and he turns into a monster and he basically eats her brain virtually. But, I mean, you know, things happen. Sometimes it gets out of control, you know? Yeah. So now everything is messed up. Uh, the government's trying to find 007 and Job because they want all their secrets. And Job is using his powers. He somehow with his brain sets his priest daddy on fire. And uh, he uses his telepathy to mm-hmm. kill his co-worker. By how, Scott? Huh? Think of the title. Think of the title. With his lawnmower. Oh, ho, ho, ho. oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. He ran him over with a lawnmower and all. So now Job is just like godlike in his abilities. And he's he's like, I want to take over the world. I want to talk to everybody and just rule everybody's minds. So he goes back in the lab and he's like i'm going into virtual reality and i'm just going to be omnipotent i'm going to have no body i'm going to be virtual to the world and 007 knows it's like oh no he has too much powers and it's scary so he does what every guy naturally does he plants bombs in the lab to blow up job to make sure he doesn't get out of there but so, he's worried. So they want to keep him in, in virtual world and blow him up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they don't want him to get out because this is 90s internet. And obviously, mm-hmm. we have the capability with dial up to get into everybody's system. It'd be, it'd be great if, like, this all, you know, all builds up in the movie. Um, he's ready to take over. He's ready to get out. And then just another scientist accidentally picks up the phone in the lab and boots him off the, the internet. <laughs> I'm in virtual reality. Goodbye. <laughs> so 007 goes into virtual reality and he tries to talk him through it. And now he's so massive. He's a he's literally like a virtual reality cougar. Like for some reason, he's got. Like he loves y- he loves young life. dudes. No, no, oh, he has oh, like, oh. literal like stripes. Oh, the like, animal, the cougar. Got it, got yeah, it. yeah. And he's like screaming at him, "Oh, you can't not stop me!" Whatever. And he's like, "Aha! I blocked every way out of here, and the bombs are going to go off, and you're going to be dead in both places." And, all. and he's like, "No!" So he starts going crazy, trying to find ways to do it. And everywhere, a hexagon comes up to him, and he tries to open up. I guess it's like a gateway. Not a hex. Not a hexagon. Yeah, hexagon. That's how that, that's how files work in virtual reality in the nineties. So, as uh, 007, and apparently he brought his son in there for some reason, so he has to run away to, so his son doesn't die from the bombs. But uh, as is everything's going down, it's ticking down, ticking down. All of a sudden. Access granted, and Job's like, finally, and he disappears into the internet. And the movie's coming to an end. Everybody's like, oh, it's such a shame what happened to Job, but nobody can have this much power. And then all of a sudden, all the phones in the world start ringing. All of them. Which is a sign that Job is calling everybody. And that's where we left off. Yeah. And I don't have the strength for a lawnmower. Maybe. There's a lot to end at that. Now, did you did you have to go back and rewatch this? 
I had to remind myself a little bit. I knew some of the bigger factors mm -hmm. of it. Uh, I forgot about chimpanzee oh, virtual reality how could killers. You, how could you forget that? I, I'm ashamed of myself. That's how I am, Scott. Did um, you? Now, did you think fondly of this movie back in the day? I did. <laughs> I liked it. Okay. I thought it was like a cool thing. And like, this is like the early 90s CGI where. Like, they were kind of in the middle. They weren't Terminator 2 levels, but yeah. it was still like, oh, okay, this is now, interesting. Now, on the rewatch or the recap that you did, did you find yourself liking this movie still? Yeah, I, I can't deny as I was, like, like cleaning up the pieces I missed. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is, this is a popcorn movie. This is a... I am going to laugh how stupid this is, but I will continue to watch a good movie. Mm. So you would say you would give it the it holds up? It holds up a little bit? Yeah. Or? I would give a thumbs up, but I don't want the lawnmower to cut off my thumb. Yeah. Wow. So Mike Burlew, what, and what year was that? I think I looked at 92, I think. I believe so, yeah. 92. And it uh, was based off a of Stephen King uh, short story. So officially 30 years later, Mike Burlew giving the... A thumbs up go watch lawnmower man i mean yeah i mean side note, no spoilers uh, <laughs> i mean you guys <laughs> i mean way to go mike way to spoil the lawnmower man for everybody yeah. um on a side note lawnmower man is the one movie that uh stephen king first sued to get his name off of in theaters then turn around and try to sue again to get his name off of the vhs tapes and how is he involved because it's based off a short story that he did about he made some short story about lawnmower that kills people hmm. but they took it in a direction which clearly a cocaine wielding Stephen <laughs> King could not give a thumbs up to I'm sorry <laughs> well I don't know it kind of makes me want to watch it a little bit to be honest um, but uh yeah, I mean the lawnmower man. We 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 got to speak to the lawnmower man himself today. Um, a joke, but we just got very educated about lawnmowers today. Um, and I swear to God, I, I tried to look it up while you were talking. I I know we've had a lawnmower man conversation somewhere <laughs> over the last uh, the last four to seven years. All right, Mike, I'll surely, I'll surely think about you this week as I mow my lawn, hopefully for the last time before the, uh, the, the fall season gets here. Maybe one, maybe one or two more times. But, uh, Berlu, anything to promote before we roll? Well, I'm just glad you think of me, Scotty. But uh, I will promote Bigger Staff Brewing Company in Atlanta, Georgia. This is a full circle place to bring people, my friends. Uh, let me talk about what we have here. Why is if you're you want a cup of coffee you know they had their own coffee house right in there with fresh pastries in there hmm. you want a brew they got a brewery in there and they got big tubs they got a full set get yourself a flight delicious but you, you got a little hunger vibes going there they got a full restaurant in there hmm. they have trivia nights they have they have um dog nights they have everything tomorrow the full balancing uh i've been to their restaurant they have beautiful outside scene, great for the fall that's coming up. Really can't wait to get back there, right in the heart of Atlanta, Bigger Staff Brewing Company. How's their, how's their lawn? 
Uh, they don't have lawn. It's no. just cement. <laughs> um, you, you don't like to mow the lawn? Don't worry at Bigger Staff Brewing Company, that's okay? Right. That's right. You can do all the virtual reality you want there and not worry, worry about the lawnmower, man. Um, I will promote uh, nine episodes ago we had a man by the name of Kyle Luigs or Kyle Luigs on um, of the Savannah Bananas who, even since the time we interviewed them, um, have blown up. Um, you see them all over social media. Um, my son was just wearing the Savannah Banana shirt. Mike picked me up from uh, from Savannah when he when he took a trip over there. But um, if you haven't seen on ESPN, ESPN Plus, they have a documentary called Banana Land, um, and it's all about like kind of the making of their their teams and and what the Savannah Bananas are all about and the world tour that they were going on. Um, and it's just really cool because when we talked to Kyle, he was talking about all this stuff. Um, and then uh, Kyle's in the documentary uh, like a whole bunch of times, and it's just a really cool documentary. I believe it's a five part series. It might even be more. And they've even been broadcasting. Uh, banana ball on espn uh which is their own brand of baseball so it's uh very cool to see and very uh cool to see them get the love that they deserve so yeah definitely go uh check out banana land on espn and then go check out episode 401 with kyle on it uh burl you had a chance to check out banana land at all uh, not yet, but uh, I've seen the advertising. It looks amazing. I'll definitely have to uh, make sure if it's on the TV to uh, DVR it and check it out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like everything that we talked about that Kyle touched on, it's like seeing that all come to fruition, like them selecting who's a banana and who's a party animal. Uh, the, the tryout scene is probably my favorite because they just ask guys to come with, they're like, bring flair, like, uh, you know, don't hold anything back, and the guys, the way they show up. So it's a really cool documentary. So um, with that, guys, um, I want to thank Brad for coming on the show. Um, I want to thank uh, all the listenership uh, last week, and hopefully you guys stick with us this week and for the episodes um, coming up. we got a lot of cool stuff coming up, and uh, that's it. Please follow us on the um, the old social. Just Google us where you need to find us. Um, we're on basically every podcast platform you could think of. Um, and other than that, the best thing you can do is share it with your friends and say, hey, this is a pretty entertaining podcast. And uh, thank you, Coles, for being our new official sponsor. Um, we really appreciate the, uh, you know, we appreciate it. We feel like we're a good family. Us, Coles, um, it's going to be a good partnership going forward. But other than that, guys, life is funny. Laugh at it. Keep the wind at your back. The more you know, the more you calls. Quick little bonus here, Mike. Quick little bonus. Um, we do it every year, and we almost forgot. Uh, football, by the time this episode comes out, football is well on their way. Weekend number one. Um, by the time the next episode comes out, it's probably within the second week. So, Burloom, it's uh, so the old verbal shenanigans, Super Bowl predictions. Not that we ever remember who we predict. I mean, the only one I remember is that you pre- predicted the commanders to get there last year. Uh, technically, I, I said football team, but that was for a different reason. Oh, is that why that didn't come to fruition? Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, if they were the football team, they definitely would have made it there. Oh, I mean, no they doubt. really looked like they were going to dominate the playoffs. Um, uh, yeah, and then game started. <laughs> yeah. Mike, 
your prediction for the 20, I guess it would be 2022 Super Bowl, but in 2023, who you got? Um, Well, I know everybody is going to jump on the Bills bandwagon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, they're a great team. I feel, though, every year one of the, yeah, no doubt teams doesn't find their way to it. So I'm going to go a little off the uh, road, if you will, with my prediction. Mm -hmm. I am going to say... The Los Angeles Chargers Love will it. represent the AFC. I think they got the, the best offense. They have the least pressure because basically everybody's almost pointing and laughing because they're like, ha the other team got there and nobody cares about you. So they got a little chip on their shoulder. Yep. Not everybody's looking directly at them. I worry about teams in certain divisions. I, I feel they're the ones that, like, even if they – Wild carded. I feel like they're not finding a way. Could to totally that. see it. Could absolutely see it. Okay. NFC is really tough because I here, don't. Here comes here comes the Commanders pick. Believe me, it ain't gonna be Commanders. Carson Wentz leading them down the field through the playoffs. I will be the first to say if they somehow made it, be like, I'll just start with. I have no clue what we're doing here, but I'm happy. If but, they win um, the Super Bowl, will you get a Carson Wentz tattoo? I can't fathom it. <laughs> Maybe my dog's paws if they ever when they pass away, mm-hmm. something like that. With Carson Carson Wentz in the middle, oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, nobody's really super standing out to me in the NFC, so I'm just gonna go generic. And when you go generic, how can you say no to Tom Terrific? I'm going to say Chargers, Buccaneers, Super Bowl, and I say the Chargers take it. Love it. Um, I was also on the Chargers bandwagon. Um, not the bandwagon, but I guess uh, thinking that they would, they're going to be right in the mix. Won't be surprised. Um, I just went a little differently right before this, um, right before I thought of this, um, before. And I, I don't think... I don't think last year was a fluke. I think um, I think the Bengals are a for real team. I think they are deep. I think I think Joe Burrow is as good as a quarterback as most of them in the league. I think they're young. I think they're hungry. I think they're loaded at wide receiver. I think if Joe Mixon can stay healthy, that offense is pretty unbelievable. Um, and I think the defense is going to be good. I think they play with a chip on their shoulder. And maybe they can uh, maybe they can get through the Chargers and Bills. Maybe the Bills Chargers play each other and eliminate um, one of them, and the Bengals sneak through again. I can't believe I'm saying that um, in real life, like Bengals back to back Super Bowls. But I think that team's for real. I don't think we're going to see Bengals like out of the playoffs for the next four years. I think they're yeah. I think they're right there. I think they're a good team. So I'm going to go. The Bengals sneak back into the Super Bowl. Maybe. You know, maybe they struggle a little bit, but maybe I think they're playoff tested and they can do it. Against Danny Dimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I will, in the NFC, I agree it's kind of kind of wide open. All the great quarterbacks are, are kind of in the AFC other than a, than a few. But I can't believe I'm saying this. A surprise pick, Mike. The Washington, no, not the Washington, but it kills me just as much to say this. I think 
the Philadelphia Eagles are going to sneak back mm. into the Super Bowl. Um, they got a, they they loaded up in some positions they needed. Uh, they started looking better towards the end of the year, and maybe they become that weird upset team again where Philly thrives being that weird underdog that, that sneaks in. Maybe they do it again, get through Tom Terrific. Maybe the Rams get caught sleeping. Just for fun, I'm going to go Bengals-Eagles in the Super Bowl. Um, nice. Not a... Probably won't happen, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think we got anything of any sorts right in the few years we have attempted this. <laughs> Probably not. I, I think I might have had the Rams in the Super Bowl one year, but I don't think it was the year last year when they won. I'd have to go back and listen. But the New England one you're talking about, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so it is uh, that that is our bonus predictions. <laughs> 